0: Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson.
1: And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Frank Keck, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Frank, what's up? I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, and I'm going to tell everyone why you're here. I think we will have a very interesting and lively episode, but before we get that far, i got to do a few things or I will get in trouble with our sales and marketing people. We do not want to be on their bad side. No, they're mean. And scary. Well, it's, uh, that's actually not the truth. They just do all the most of the stuff that I don't want to do. So I'm trying to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to contribute to a, a workplace culture that uh, invites them to, conti- to continue and do the things that I don't want to do. And that is what we will talk about today is workplace culture. But before we do that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io, where we can help you build your development team quickly and affordably. Now, with me today, as I previously mentioned, we've got Frank Keck, and Frank is the CEO of Core Build. Now, be interactive, go to the internet, and go to corebuild.solutions so you can check out what they do while we talk about it. That's right. That's the heavy lifting's done. Listen
0: to some stuff, watch some videos, Yeah. take some tests. Yeah, sure. Find out about
1: yourself. Now, between Frank and I, this is why we'll have some interesting content. We have, between two, both of us, we've written 24 books. That's right. And some of them have been read. Yeah, not the ones I wrote. Well,
0: that's yeah. why I'm married and have little kids.
1: Yeah, well, but you've written like 21 of them. I've done three. That's the real math there. It's like a seven to one, but I'm older. I mean, maybe. You're not that much older than me, dude. I'm kind of old. So, well, Frank, you. As the CEO of CoreBuild... So let me just
0: interrupt you. Thanks for having me and yeah. let me be the co-host. And as you have... You, you guys out there in podcast land can't see it, but I match uh, the other mats.
1: Um, what do we call it? Fair complexion? <laughs> That's much nicer, yes. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I'm not going to make any ginger jokes or anything like that. (laughs) So I do enough of that with Watson when the mic's off, but um, we're going to talk about workplace culture today. And you you have quite a bit of expertise in that. So I'm going to just kind of let you let everyone know what, what exactly do you guys do over at core build?
0: So we help people um, to really have a workplace where people can thrive, where people can look forward to going to work. And when they get to work, It's an environment where they can do their best every day. And so we call it intentional workplace culture. And, you know, back in a previous life, Matt, back before a lot of folks were born. So back in the mid nineties, I was a store manager at Circuit City. I don't know if you remember Circuit City. It was a bad version of Best Buy. And um, the culture there was in the company was terrible. And I had a boss that came in one day. And uh, he told my best sales guy, he said, look, you're just a number. There's more people out there, and I can replace you in five minutes.
1: Wow, that's a great way to get people to help you out.
0: Yeah. And I thought, man, no, how am I supposed to now motivate him? You've just told him that he's not worth anything.
1: Was Circuit City, the company that, that, uh, through cost-cutting measures, tried, they let go all of their top salespeople?
0: 30,000 people in one day. They said you can... We're laying you off and you can reapply for your job at minimum wage.
1: But weren't they like the top salespeople? Yeah. Yeah. Like how freaking stupid is that? Yeah. Like let's take our biggest source of revenue basically and be like, okay, you're out. Yeah. And then that company failed. So that's the way that works out. And
0: we made our store very different. And so we had a good time and we did stuff that made common sense and we treated our people with respect. And back in those days, you didn't talk about workplace culture, but you just talked about, hey, we want to have a great place to work. Right. And we went from the third worst store in the chain to the third best in about a six month period. And that was simply because people loved working there. And so then down the road a few years, I thought why not just do this for a living? Cause there's a lot of places that you, know, you hear people complain about going to work. And I'm sure you've heard, you know, the saying is people don't leave companies, they leave bosses.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: And so all of, a lot of it is just how can we help people be more aware and more aligned? And we'll talk more about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I've owned a, quite a few businesses and managed quite a few different ones. And you know, th- that's, that's a tough balance. Um, you know, sometimes when you're doing your best job as a manager or a founder or a CEO, not everyone loves you. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of it. So you, know, but at the same time, I think smart people understand when they're underperforming. So sometimes that's part of it, or sometimes unpopular decisions, um, they, they're important because if they're not made or made in a timely manner, they lead to way worse things than other stuff. Now, on top of that though, um, I'm a big fan of having people, uh, celebrate victories along with us. Like if the company does well, if I do well, you're going to do well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, founders, especially of startups. I think a lot of them, we, we fall into, I call it the Michael Jordan effect. You remember Michael
1: Jordan, greatest basketball player that ever lived yeah so a group can you tell i grew up in chicago yeah and i'm also old dude I, yeah like, I, I saw dr j play at kemper arena i when taught I was a kid. dr j how to play i bl- so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i hung out with dr naismith so <laughs> matt with us today is the inventor of much.
1: basketball <laughs> no, wait no no
0: what was i talking about before? so the michael jordan effect <laughs> So, you know, Jordan was this fantastic <laughs> player and he worked really hard, very intelligent, hardest working guy on the team. But then when he went to be a general manager, you know, he owns a team now. Well, they're not very good. Nope. And never he's been. never been a very good man, uh, uh, owner or leader or founder because he expects everybody else to have the same talent he does and to work as hard and care as much. And I think we fall into that trap. Hey, I've got this really cool startup. Everybody's going to care as much as I do, and they don't. The people I, that I care, wrote, as much I as, wrote
1: about that in one of my books, yeah. man. Like, like there, because I can look back at my history as an entrepreneur, and I used to get, I would like be talking to myself, and finally I realized that no one's going to care as much as you do about the business you own. Like, there's right. ways to get help encourage caring, but no one's going to really like. So the when I let that go. Oh man, my, like my, my quality of living shot up tremendously because I just accepted that's the way it was. And as you think about it, the reality is why would they care as much as you do now? That doesn't mean you don't want people that don't care though. And you want people who are different than you. Yeah, totally. Talk about that a lot here too. I don't want to have nine more mats. I got one. We talked about, my wife and I talked about that the other day, or we had a group of people who We're like, could I hang out with myself? Could I work with myself? Could I be yeah. friends with myself? And I think that I ultimately came up with the the very definitive answer of possibly. <laughs> well, what we were talking
0: about before we started recording, our kids, Yeah. right? So Matt and I oh, both man. have a kid who's just like us. Mm-hmm. So mine is Leo, who's 10. And he's way smarter than I ever was at that age, or probably am now, but he has that same uh sense of humor. Shall so tell you I'll give you a quick example, Matt. So he ran for
1: choir president.
0: And uh he It's came an home. esteemed position. It is an esteemed position. And there's like five hundred kids in
1: choir. So it's... let me guess before you did the power get to his head and then
0: no. Okay. No, not yet. <sighs> he's only been president for three weeks. Okay. So So, give it time. So he ran for president and he came home and I said, well, how did it go? Did you try out? He goes, yeah, I ran for president, dad. I said, well, what was your platform? And he said, my platform was this. Everybody, I'm Leo Keck and you should vote for me for choir president. I'm organized. I talk loud and I have a really good British accent.
1: I mean, how old is he again? 10. Any one. That's a perfect reason. Those yeah. are all votable <laughs> reasons. <laughs> uh, my daughter's just like me too. I took her to a um uh an, an innovate her event yeah. uh, because she's 5 and she because she wants to start a lemonade stand and she raised $6 I in capital. That, yeah. Yeah, she saw that on like, yeah. yeah. But that was real. Like I mean cuz but I didn't want to just hand her things like I'm like, you got to work for it. And I talked to her like, my daughter will tell you that what every business needs is customers and that customers buy things and they use money. And I explained profit to her one night and she said, well, what if we don't have profit? And I said, "We'll have to close the business. We might have to move out of the house. And then she started crying and I felt terrible. And at the same time, I may have taught (laughs) her a brilliant life lesson, but (laughs) yeah. Can Can I bring my kids over? Yeah. I'd be glad to teach any child about profit. I think, I think that it's something, no, but I'm being serious. Like the thing is, is, and I think this is important when it comes to workplace culture, because sometimes workplace culture can get carried away. Like you still on some level have to be running a business. Absolutely. So I, I sometimes poke fun at some of these places. They're like, you know, we've got the hockey rank on level three and, you know, the, this different stuff. I'm like, when do you work? Do you do anything? At the same time, like I get wanting to have fun and want to come to work. We were I was
0: talking to a client. We ultimately didn't end up working for him because they went out of business first. But we, they said, we, we, everything our employees want, we give them. And he we said, well, Do that's you? why they went out of
1: business. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because they didn't have any yeah. purpose to it, but it was like, well, we just buy them whatever they want, but they're still not happy. I thought, well, maybe you need to have a little bit more depth. Maybe you need to think about like why you're in business.
1: Well, much like sales, sometimes saying no is the greatest thing you can do. Like, yeah. cause it, as a salesperson, people, I mean, as a buyer, you should be asking for as much as someone's going to give you. And I talked to salespeople about this. Well, sometimes here, sometimes there, Hey, they're asking for this. Okay. We can just say no. Yeah. And then maybe that'll actually make them buy faster.
0: Well, and so the other thing I learned at circuit city is sometimes the customers that you give the best deals to become your biggest nightmares.
1: Oh, always, always. There's no doubt. They always want, I mean, a hundred percent of the thing. time, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So now before we get too far into this, once again, uh, you know, Frank, I, I find you to be, extremely interesting and we'll see if we ever end this episode this may be just days on end cool um you've got plenty of coffee right yeah uh, yeah and i took some adderall earlier to get my add (laughs) under control so if i mix the two together we could just talk all night um by the way i i do take my add meds to improve our workplace culture (laughs) I have ADD as well. I'm so. pain. I'm painfully shitty without certain things, and that might be one of them. So those of you listening in, we may be talking about six different things all at once. Well, that's part of what makes us fun. And then there are some people that hate that yes. about this podcast. And I, much like the business that went out of business, I don't think they listen anymore, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> all right. So you're the author of a book, and I love this title, Embrace Your Freakness. You like that? I do. I do. It's my Um, own word. I made it up. You know what I love about it is this came out in 2009 before titles like that were totally cool. Because now everything's, you know, like, I mean, you get it. It's like, if that's not the title to your book, then it definitely doesn't sell. Oh, like the no asshole rule. Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, yeah, the subtle art of not giving a fuck or whatever. Right.
0: I always thought you had to, you know, do, I did stand up for a little while. I thought anybody can be funny if they're dirty. But how can you be funny and not, you swear, it's kind of the same with titles. But that whole, so the whole book came from, I was speaking in Washington, D.C. So I did my speaking, went to the airport, Reagan National, I'm sure you know it well. And I'm in Terminal C waiting for my flights, one of those little puddle jumpers. And so I'm people watching because I'm cheap and people are free watch, right? So I'm just watching people go up and down the hallway and this guy comes and this is six months after 9-11. So there's not a lot of people in the airport to begin with. There's, you know, a hundred empty chairs. So this guy comes, he's got long, long, uh, grayish white hair. He's got a pink streak on the left, a blue streak <coughs> on the right, comes down all the way to his belt. Uh, it pulled back on a ponytail. He's got on a black silk smoker's jacket with a navy blue plaid shirt. he has got on red, white, and blue striped pants and bright red, Chuck Taylor Converse All-Stars, mustache that curls up at the ends. He's bopping down the hallway and he comes and he sits down right next to me. hundred empty chairs. He could sit wherever he wants. He sits next to me, but he doesn't sit in the chair. He sits on the floor and he starts singing out loud. I got to be me. Well, where we're sitting between where we're sitting in the hallway where everybody's walking back and forth, there's a partition that comes up to about my neck. So from the hallway, you can see my head but you can't see him, but you can hear him. And so people are staring at me and wondering, you know, what's that crazy guy doing? And, uh, so I turned to this guy and I said, Hey, that's an interesting outfit. What do you do for a living? Cause I thought if I can get him to talk, he'll stop singing. And then people stop looking at me like I'm ridiculous and it worked and he stopped singing and he looked at me and he said, thank you for asking. I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and uh, my to myself, I thought, "You're not a doctor. Doctors don't dress like that, right? Doctors wear the white lab coats with the stethis, or the with the stethis, stethoscope." I don't, I don't think
1: know. they usually wear those after No, the, airport, with the shiny thing on their right, head, they don't wear those at the airport. The Popsicle
0: either. sticks, right? I but that's what doctors wear. Yeah, so but I don't
1: think they wear them at the airport. I don't know, but that's what went through my
0: head. Yeah. So, so I said, "Well, that's interesting. What kind of a doctor are you?" And he said, "Well, I'm a general practitioner, but I only work with kids." Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes, and when I mean sometimes all the time, my filter shut off. So words come out, then the thought goes through my head. So before I can have a thought, he said, I only work with kids. I said, oh, that's why you're dressed like a clown. (laughs) And he looked at me and he said, well, thank you for noticing my uniform. The kids love it, but I wear it for me. And I said wait a minute, you're a doctor. He goes, yeah. I said, why do you wear that uniform? Because it looks like something a clown would wear. And he said, young man, this is my uniform. My uniform reminds me of what my purpose in life is. My purpose in life is to save little kids, kids who are terminally ill, to give them whatever days they have left to, to help them make the best of it. And so that's what I do. I spend my time working with those kids, making their lives better this uniform reminds me that that's my purpose every day so i can go and make every day the best that i possibly can by living my purpose it's like wow that was pretty heavy for a guy dressed up like a clown in the middle of an airport i mean i didn't say that but that's what i was thinking so we talked a little bit more and just talking about life purpose and serving others and a lot of these cool things and he said i don't know if you noticed but people are staring at us and i said well yes i did notice i did notice that and he said they take one look at me and they smile. Think about that. I don't even have to go talk to them without having, ha- without even having to talk to them. I've left them better than I found them. He said, think about it. if you could leave everybody that you come into contact with better than when you found them, how awesome would that be? I accomplished that with my uniform. And I said, man, you really embrace your freakness. He said, what? And I said, what? And he said, you said, I embrace my freakness. It was one of those things, Matt, I didn't even know what I had said until he repeated it back to me. He said, you said, I really embrace my freakness. I said, yeah, you do. I don't know what that means, but I mean, you're kind of a freaky, right? But you embrace who you are. And thus the term was born. So we talked for a few minutes and I said, you know, I got to take some notes on this because you've taught me a lot today. And I want to, I want to talk about you. I think this is a great leadership lesson. Heck, it's a great life lesson. What's your name? Because I want to tell people your name. He said, well, my name's Henry, but my friends will call me Patch. I said, whoa, that's ironic. There's a movie out right now about this wacko doctor named Patch Adams. And he gets this really serious look on his face. And he looks me in the eye and he said, Frank, I am Patch Adams. I'm the guy in the movie. Filters off, right? Out of my mouth. Well, that's funny because you look nothing at all like Robin Williams. <laughs> and he chuckled and we went on our ways and I didn't really believe it was him until I got to the hotel that night and I got on the internet and looked up patch Adams and sure enough, there he was, there he was. Right. And I was like, Oh wow. That really was him. And he doesn't look like Robin Williams. Uh, he wears a red clown nose a lot of times. And, he's,
1: and you realize that's because Robin Williams is an actor that plays other people though. Right.
0: What? Yeah. And there you have it, folks. Did I just you heard grown, it? Did I just you
1: re- <laughs> heard it first. <laughs> I'm not sure you had your arms all the way around that. Now, but let's, okay, so let's wrap this into workplace culture because I heard a few things there first time when you're, I was sitting there thinking, man, this is a guy that's got it all figured out, not necessarily a clown. But yeah. I say that because, um, you know, the making people smile and putting people at ease and stuff like that, there, that's, a, that's a cultural thing that is important. And yeah. it's very difficult to train people to do that kind of stuff. Um, now, in regards to that kind of, well, difference when it comes to the workplace, well, we've gone through it. We're still in the midst of a big metamorphosis when it comes to having people embrace the freakness of I, I don't know if that's the term I should probably use yeah. without HR getting all mad. But the thing is, freakness is, is okay. Mm-hmm. Freakiness, yeah. You need HR. Well, but the, the you know the the point is is that yeah. And I've always looked at this like I do, do. You can you do the job? Are you going to get the job done? Are you going to be a contributed member? to our team and our, you know, like, are, are you a valuable asset for what we're in our ecosystem? And you know, the, that's something that at at Fullsco we've really embraced. And I have, there's kind of a funny story around that. We had a a developer show up and just score off the charts in our assessments. And he showed up to his interview wearing bedroom slippers. Mm -hmm. And
0: is that, is that part of the dress
1: code? uh, no. So, but the, but I got what notes. if they'd have been gold. Well, I got, well, uh, I'll get there. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> I got notes back, and I, but I, 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 we've created our own assessments and I see these scores. I'm like, who is this guy that just crushed these assessments? And like I'm talking like perfect scores in like a quarter of the time, which means you get it. Like wow, you just right. breeze right through it. And there's a level of mastery there. And I reached out to, and these are managers that are not with us anymore, for specific reasons like this, but I said, uh, I said, so who's this guy that, that scored these amazing test scores and why am I not seeing that he's been interviewed and recommended? Right. Oh, well he showed up to work in his bedroom slippers and I literally like, I came out of my seat I was like, who gives a shit? We don't, we're not even in front of our clients. Like we're working from 8,500 miles away. Like, is this someone that's brilliant? That's going to get the job done. Cause we don't care. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. And like, and, but that, and, and I'm talking about people that are in the Philippines here and that's where most of full scales employees are, but that was very non-standard. And I was like, you know, and, and it's funny because Matt Watson's on the same boat. He's like, you know, with like, if a developer shows up to an interview wearing a cape, hire them, don't even ask questions, just put them on the <laughs> roster. But, but so with some of that and, you know, and having worked around the music industry and stuff like that, I, I've really learned that like, you know, th- The ability to feel comfortable in one's own existence frees that person up to do a hell of a lot of other productive and amazing things. And they're probably reasonable to be around or they're completely unreasonable to be around It's one or the other.
0: But I think you just hit the nail on the head. The key to having a successful workplace culture is you have, how do you help people to be the most of themselves? Yeah, Sure right? And so it's embracing your freakness, but you were also talking about the, the guy that shows up in the Cape or the guy that scores off the charts that shows up in bedroom slippers, you know, in today's world, and this is what's different about millennials that I've learned. Millennials are way more conscious, right? They have a much higher level of awareness than did my generation, the baby boomers. And so that's what we're seeing in the world is people are a lot more aware and by being more aware as a species, right? Humans are much more aware as a species. A really great book written on this, the study of human consciousness over a 10,000 year period. The last, so for 9,500 years, it was pretty steady. Last 50, it's shot straight up. So consciousness every day is just evolving and evolving. And so like you and I were talking earlier, folks in the millennial generation, they want to go do something that matters. Right? If your business, does, if you're not doing something that matters, guess what? They're probably not going to stay. And so it's, how but do I well, help you to be the most of you? And
1: how do I show you that we're doing something cool here? Something that I want to share my example nervous. with them doing something that matters. Yeah. Cause that really came up. We were in uh, recently Our uh, show producer Breland, who by the way, was originally hired to work at my home and help us with our kids and our family. And you want to talk about it, an example. So I did a phone interview. And she said, it, "She said, I'll just tell you, so I'm not wasting your time or mine. I have tattoos up and down my arm, and I have a nose ring." I said, "Perfect. When can you come for the interview?" <laughs> like, because, because on some levels, like that was very—I mean, not on some levels—it was very acceptable because that meant that she probably wasn't hung up on a whole bunch of other yeah. stuff that I didn't necessarily want my children to be exposed to. Now with the doing something that matters, and I think this is a workplace culture thing that really does matter. So when her and I went out to go to TechCrunch, and, um, when we were out there, we we're talking to other people and we published these podcasts as well. And we said, you have a hard time competing for talent against the Facebooks and all these other companies that have these like, um, like mega complex Awesome, like very well publicized, insane campuses. And like immediately, all of them were like, no, not really. I said, why? Yeah, because people, because they were doing that. These are clean tech companies. And they were like, yeah, because really people just, they're going to get paid well out here no matter what. And they would rather do something that matters than just like,
0: doing something to Help that's people post
1: pictures life. of their dinner online, or, you know, <laughs> but, but, and, you know, and, and we got that answer like bam, 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 like from all three companies we talked to. And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but it really does. And the more I thought about that and then I wrapped my head around it. So, you know, my book balanced me, it's about finding balance, attempting to find balance in your personal, professional, and physical life. Um, there are things that are an antidote for bullshit and and stress and one of them that's the most powerful is feeling like you're getting what you want out of life Mm -hmm. you will you can like do like you can perform in superhuman amounts of time effort energy focus if you think that's present and when it comes to workplace culture that's one of the things that i try to be aware of um you know like with not only here but anywhere is Okay. What's going to, what floats this person's boat? What, what rising tide is going right. to rise them up with the whole rest of us. And then, you know, some people respond to things differently. Yep. Some people want security. Some people want money. Some people want, you know, opportunity. I mean, I you're an interesting guy. I'm sure you get this. Like sometimes I get people, they're like, Hey, I will literally come work for you for peanuts for a year. Cause I want to be around the experience. I want to learn like, and you know, like, so there's just different, you know, everyone has a different, thing. But with that, how do you recommend as a manager or founder that I figure any of that out other than just ask? I I would say I would just ask.
0: So I think it's interesting hearing you talk about what you guys do here, because in my experience, most managers or bosses or however you want to describe people in charge, they don't take an interest in their people and say, hey, what's What's important to you? Like, what do you want to do with your career? So we recommend that to every client we have. When We
1: here, ask all of, our, all of our people at Full Scale that, like, what yeah, do you want to do? In like, the hiring process. Yeah. Like,
0: not just what do you want to do now, but where do you see yourself in three years and in five years? And and most people um, that they would hire would tell them, we've never been asked that before.
1: Yeah, we hear that over there. Yeah, uh, and... That's, that's one of the, some of the feedback we got. They're like, it's just nice to work for some people that... They care. Yeah.
0: And to I'm even like, say, how does
1: that not an option,
0: <laughs> but, but is, to even so. say, Hey, you know what, this is what I want to do in five years. Great. How can we help you to get to that point? And, you know, I think sometimes we become, we, we want to hire people that we think are going to work for us forever. Nobody's going to work for you forever. Right. They're going to work for you yeah. for a period of time, but I, they can add some real value. If I, you I help say them that a lot too.
1: I, even to the employees. I'm like, you realize the chance that you're going to work for me forever. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's I, just f- yeah. make the most of every day and try to not ruin every, all the great stuff we did along the way because of the way that this ends. Right. That's tough too.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's um. we're just waving to the, somebody just walked in and is taking pictures, but we don't know who she is. We've never seen her before. Well, I
1: know who that is. Oh, we okay. were just talking about our show producer Breland. Is that Breland? Yeah. Now the greatest thing is, is and any you episode even of You can see the tattoos. Well, no. You know, she's laughing. <laughs> I was mentioning the the pre employment phone call we had where you were like, Yeah, you gotta know. I got like tattoos down my arm. I was like, perfect. When can you come over for an interview? <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you want to see the pictures that we are taking at the moment with a real camera that's not a phone, Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast. And guess what? We're on TikTok now because we're cool. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, someone took the war, the shitty concept of Vine, and then they lengthened the <laughs> video time by three hundred percent and and resold it as a good idea.
0: My son just asked me to get on that, and I said, "What is it?" And He said, "Oh, Dad, it used to be Musically, but it's much cooler." Is that what it was? And so now I'm getting all this stuff downloaded on my phone from TikTok.
1: Put this on TikTok and let everyone go. You can go to TikTok forward slash at. Startup Hustle. You know who should
0: sponsor TikTok? Rolex. Tic Tac. Oh, not bad. Right. Maybe. There's a sponsorship deal made in heaven. This is Tic Tac
1: for TikTok. Man, so if you say that too much, you'd probably go crazy.
0: But I think back to the question that we were maybe answering. Um, probably
1: not, but you, trying.
0: You gotta first of all, you gotta know what's important to you as a as a boss. Like yeah. So we were helping the uh NBKC fintech fountain city fintech group and as they went through the uh, culture lab and so we were helping them with demo day and i said why why are you doing this like you quit a perfectly good good job to start your own company that's like you have to be insane to do that feels very logical to me yeah so why would you do that give up a steady paycheck to not know if you're going to eat for a couple of years there's got to be something driving that every one of them we we so I would just sit there and talk to one of them one at a time until they said, "Oh well, you know, I saw this injustice, whatever it was, and I thought I can't live with that one more day, and I got to fix it."
1: It's doing things that matter. Yeah, I and mean that, and that—that's that, why well, they're that,
0: so driven, Matt. Right? And then yeah, to but find it, that applies to everybody.
1: And I even made a comment recently on Facebook. You might've seen it. I said, wake up and do something that matters every day and you'll be all right. And mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. Figure it out. But right. If you're waking up and you're fucking around and not doing anything that matters like to you or to someone else, like sometimes the greatest and most redeeming feeling is helping other people get what they want. Yeah. That matters. Yeah. I think that's important as a, as a company. And it's like, It's not always uh, immediately available either, you know, like that's, I mean, as much as we'd all love to live high on the hog, like the business, you, you don't, I I like to say you shouldn't be making decisions about your workplace culture that sacrifice the long-term on the immediate, on the altar of the immediate. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. One of my early mentors said that about making, you know, and I've stuck with that and that was Bill Perks. Bill, I hope you're doing well if Bill, if you're listening to this, reach, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you, but I understand
0: but, working for him really uh, had its perks.
1: Ha, it did kind of, um, that was, but you know, you talk about, um, interest. So I used to work for a chain of musical instrument retailers. This is like way early in my, in my years in and around the music industry. And, um, Bill was one of those people that took it upon him to mentor me without me asking. Cool. And, you know, I mean, and, and that is cool in a lot of ways. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, how, you know, I think, I feel like mentoring people is, is either. So I actually have some people I mentor, like it's a chosen thing. I actually have some rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. They're, they're simple. Don't waste my time and don't get mad at me when I don't tell you what you don't want to hear. Or yeah. what you, if I'm not telling you what you want to hear, like I don't want to sit here and debate with you about why you're right and I'm wrong. You asked, I told, there you go. But That doesn't always go over that well in workplace culture. Like, I mean, it can, or it can't, like, what, where do you get, where do you stand on that? Like, cause not everyone wants to approach different things. Like assuming that everyone on your team or your staff or in your company has the exact same worldview or approach to stuff is naive because they don't. So
0: I think they have to be aligned from a values and a purpose perspective. That doesn't mean you have to be the same. Um, But I think you have to, you have to learn from different perspectives. Right, different yeah. biases. Bias is merely just a perspective. So I've got to go see something from a bunch of different lenses. Mm-hmm. So I actually have several mentors. Uh one of my first mentors um died, gosh, it's been about 10 years ago. Uh, but he would tell me a bunch of stuff, and then I had to figure out, okay, what do I agree with? Because there's a lot of stuff that he did. People loved him or people hated him. There yeah. was no middle ground. And so I had to figure out okay, what stuff do I is aligned with me, like fits what I believe. And what stuff is he saying? Like he was a bigot, right? And he would even say, I'm a bigot. Well, that's not something that I aspired to. Right. So anything that he said that I thought there was some bigotry involved, I thought, okay, that's, I'm just going to put that off to this side. But he was a phenomenal in front of a group. And so advice that he gave me, like some of the best advice he ever gave me, Matt, was don't believe your press. And he said, what does that mean? And he said, when people tell you how awesome you are, Don't believe it. When they tell you how horrible you are, don't believe that either. You're usually somewhere in the middle, but the day you believe when people go, oh, you're the best speaker I ever heard. That's when you're in trouble, right? Because then you, you stop trying as hard. And so he said just, but that was just, that was great advice. And so I think there's gotta be that mentorship where we've got to look for, um, you know, what are some different perspectives? I don't know that having your boss be your mentor is a great
1: idea. Right. Because you're around them already, yeah, and that's why I brought that up um, for a number of different reasons, because back to the original statement at the top of the episode, like sometimes when you as a manager or leader, you, you know you i I'm serious sometimes when you're doing the best job, you it, you're not the most popular person this yeah. is, it's not it's not always about that
0: yeah, and I think you know you want to create an environment where people people will tell you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. So Jesse, you know, Jesse that works with me, Jesse's great because she will tell me the truth as she sees it. And that's not always what the way that I see it.
1: We talked about that before we hit record. And um, this isn't directly workplace culture, but we look at the clients that we take on at full scale in a, in a partner kind of way because it's our job to help them be successful. And with yeah. that, I am very, very transparent. I told you I'd say, hey, I'd say this to any client. I'd say, hey, look, I, I've done I've done a lot of stuff. Some of it might be applicable. Some of it might not. It's my job to give you. Honest, transparent, non-self-serving advice, mm-hmm. and you, it's the, up to you to determine whether or not you take it, and that's up to you. But that's I will—that's right. the pledge that I make to our clients, and it its it isn't it it is received very well. You know, we were
0: talking today about what's the difference, and you know, just talking kind of about what what's our uh, what makes us different, what makes Core Built different. I think it's our approach. Our approach is not, we're going to give you a bunch of knowledge. You go to training and a lot of workshops and seminars. It's all about, hey, here's a whole bunch of information that you might know, but maybe we'll refresh. Well, it's not our approach at all. Our our approach is we want to make you more aware. And so sometimes that's just by asking questions. It's about getting you to think about stuff, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what you're talking about. I'm going to say some things because I want to get you to think about it. Had one yesterday where I said, all right, I'm gonna throw out some questions. You guys need to know I'm throwing these questions out because you guys need to think about it, not because I'm trying to make you mad. Now, if you choose to let it make you mad, it'll make you mad, right? But here's some things that you guys need to think about that you're not thinking about. So I think in a great workplace culture, you have that kind of trust where you can have that level of conversation. And so the places that people leave are the places where it's like, well, you know, there's just there's not the trust. I don't trust my boss or I, you know, I don't trust this, or I don't trust my coworkers or, you know, if you don't have trust, man, it's going to be a really hard place to work. Right.
1: Right. Right. And I think that, you know, you know, trust is something that's, and this is, this shouldn't be news. You got to earn it. Yeah. You got to earn it. You don't necessarily get it on day one on a new team and a new job with a new client, with a new employee. Like there, there has to be a level of the you know, you, you establish it. And, And I still think that, you know, like, okay, it's hard to follow people that you think are making self-serving decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I've referenced that a number of times, but, you know, like people see right through that shit. Yeah, they do. They get after it. They're like, you're trying to like sell a decision you're making and it clearly just benefits you as the owner. Um, so a relative of mine, but a a business hero of mine as well is Terry Dunn Mm -hmm. here in town. And I heard him speak one night and, you know, Terry's the, this was once ran one of the largest construction companies in the, in the country. And he said, as a leader and an owner of the company, it's my job to, when things are bad, to put all of it on my shoulder and shelter everybody from as much of it as I possibly can. And then when things are going well, it's my job to also be distributing this success. Absolutely, And that's, and in some regards, sometimes as a leader, you, you know, you gotta be, I think you gotta be aware of that because people are asking for things or stuff or whatever. And you're like, no, we're not doing that. Why? Well, cause I'll make less money. And maybe sometime that could be the answer. Or I won't look as good. Or, or something. I mean, there's more work. Yeah. There's a number of different things yeah. and a number of different reasons. But, you know, that, and, you know, I think one of the things you, when it comes to workplace culture, too, that you mentioned earlier, you're talking about looking at things from a number of different angles. It reminds me of a sociology class I took in my freshman year of college. And um, the professor showed us a picture of a cow, and the cow was standing sideways and it was one solid color. And he said, Who in here can tell me that this is not a spotted cow? And a bunch of people raised their hand and he said, there's no way you can make that assertion because you haven't been under it. You haven't been above it. You didn't walk around to the other side. And like, I mean, whoever you were at Kansas university that taught that 100 level sociology class, you changed my thought process with (laughs) that. Like for real, I don't even remember your name, dude, but thank you. Because for my personality style, sometimes empathy is not naturally abundant. Yeah, and you know that's just like a people that are highly driven have a tendency to kind of get in that lane and just like get the fuck out of the way. But you know, like that that ability to look at things is well, a from a problem solving standpoint is very valuable. But also, like you mentioned, when it comes to workplace culture, leadership, and and stuff like that, like b- people don't have the same angle. They don't have the same view.
0: So I got I got another one for you. You ready?
1: Maybe. All right. You like apples? Um, sometimes the fruit. Yeah, sure. Not the company. Yeah, I like both.
0: Okay. So if I were to ask you to describe what's the predominant color of an apple, what would you tell me?
1: Well, you could, I mean, I kind of know where you're going. Most people are going to be red or green, but it's white. Is it what in the middle? That's the inside. True. Wow. That's a great. that's actually, that's. And so it's just an example of trying to make you think about it a little bit. Right. Cause you, you're right. Like that part of the apple that's colored is probably what? Like 1% of the whole thing. That's
0: it. Wow. That's it. And, but it's the same thing with people. We look at the outside. We were talking about this earlier, too. It's really, on. you know, you you hear this cliche all the time. Well, it's on the inside of the accounts. But yet we, as when we hire business owners, when we go to hire people, oh, my gosh, time after time after time. Why did you hire that person? Well, they had the right skill set. Okay, well, what are their values? What's important to them? What do they want to do with their life? Oh, I, I don't know. But they have a lot of experience. Okay, that means that they're old. Right? It means that they've done it a lot. Doesn't mean they're any good at it. Doesn't right. mean that they fit your team. Doesn't mean that they have the same aspirations that you have. Doesn't mean they're aligned with you. Just means they know how to do the and then why do most people fire employees? Because they don't fit, right? And so they have a bad attitude or you know, very rarely do you hear of somebody being fired because they didn't have the right skill set. It's usually, well they didn't work hard enough, or they didn't, you know, they went out sick all the time. But or. those
1: are symptomatic of other things a lot of times because exactly. you don't give a shit. Like, exactly. I mean, so our COO Daryl, who was originally an intern for me ten years ago and a couple companies ago, um, at one point we had to make him take a vacation. Yeah. Like literally, and there was another time we had to make him go to the doctor. <laughs> I'm like, but but now you talk about trust and confidence and. I mean, now, man, like, thank you for the service, like, and for caring and like literally being like, well, I don't want you guys to have to do this. You know, I know that it's kind of rough if I'm not here to help on some days. I'm like, dude, we can't live our lives beholden to that. But, the, right. but now, but the level of deposits and trust that developed from that, well, hell, he's the COO of Full Scale right now yeah. and doing real well with that. But at the same time, he's got to take care of himself. Right. And, 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 you know, that was some of the things that we were concerned about. And, you know, also just like, okay, dude, it's been two years. Use yeah. a vacation day.
0: Yeah. Go to the doctor on your vacation day. If you really got <clears> to
1: <throat> do two he, things at once. Yeah. We didn't let him back in until he did. We basically <laughs> locked him out. <laughs> so that was when the company was still in my home and it was a lot easier to do. Um, so, you know, with that, you can't teach people how to care. I mean, I, I've, I've learned this. You can give them reasons to care, right. but it's not something that you can teach. Um, people, I mean, it's, and all right. So some people that read balance me, and by the way, I made that a dollar 99 on Kindle. So it's like super accessible. I would make it free if Amazon didn't like charge you to make it free. Is
0: it on audible? No, it should be. Can you put it on audible so I can listen to you as I go to sleep at night? Yeah. Because you have that soothing voice. Thanks. Do, do your sexy, deep voice you were doing earlier.
1: Which one? The one like <laughs> Ah,
0: no. So I, I walked that. in, and I'm like, hey, Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great, Frank.
1: I'm doing really well, Frank. Thanks for coming in.
0: It's my third cup of
1: coffee. Thanks for coming in. This is my third podcast of the day. <laughs> the voice is a little deep. But no. <laughs> so where were we? Oh, yeah. You talk about. Um, the inside of an apple. Wow. You know, and that's, there's even variables. Like I love, I love questions like that too. Cause sometimes the apple could be rotten. Yeah. You know, I think when it comes to building a team, it, you know, you have all these old, like, I feel like you and I could probably go through like the world's like most cliche statements, but a rotten apple can ruin the whole barrel. So when you get like, but
0: when you have apples make applesauce.
1: Yeah, I get it. I'm also like really, really, really aggressive about getting the rotten apple out. I I to, it's funny. I say flush the turds. Yeah. And this is a tough thing because, um, you know, I don't look at any of my top employees and look back at the history and ever think, man, I thought I should fire that person. Yeah. If you are having that thought about someone, (laughs) you probably need to just go do it. Because you've already made this, you already realize what you need to do, but sometimes there's a number of reasons that these things, like, I I think that this kind of, I don't know, negative sentiment and stuff like that, it's just so grossly contagious. And we're, you know, talking about startups uh, on this show a lot, and we haven't really got into that. But when you have a small batch of people too, oh, it gets real. Everyone is more important. Oh, it gets gets real. And you want to talk about, I mean, there's not, viral isn't a thing. It's just there for everyone. It doesn't even need to spread. It's just there. Like you're a team of four. Like you all have the same issue.
0: We were working with a startup that had uh, three people and one of the people didn't like one of the, like couldn't stand one of the other ones. That's not good. And I said, you, and I went to the CEO and I said, you know, you have two people that work for you. One can't stand the other one and you can't sustain. Like you, you can't scale with two people that can't stand each other. Now they don't have to like each other. But they have to
1: they have to be able to work together and And there's a difference there too. And I one, do
0: not have to like you to work with No, you. but you do have yeah. to, we do have to be able to work together. Yeah. And I asked the person, I said, Can you work with that other person? And they said, No, I, I can't even I can't you even be in the, the same room. Rock the door. Move and, on. And I said, You if you're yeah. gonna make a change, you need to make make the change before you do your rollout. Like they were worried about, well, we got it to the rollout and then we'll change. No, you won't, because then you're gonna start making money. Right? And then you're really in trouble but you bring up a good point Matt and that is people are, are afraid you know if somebody doesn't fit they don't fit right and so that's usually when there, there's going to be a cultural issue or they're not doing it right you know I say what a cultural issue like they just they don't fit the values or the vibe or whatever Like just kind of like stand out like a sore thumb and and uh they're miserable and you're miserable and you're like well why don't we just fire them? And, or people are afraid but if you have the conversation and and keep it positive hey look this this obviously is not working, right? You're not happy. We're not happy. Let's figure out a way to help you to find the place that's right for you. Let me
1: free up your future. Yeah. Yeah. So do you know, before I hire anyone, I sit down and I try to scare the shit out of them. How do you do that? So um, I have high standards. I take what I do really seriously. And, but I have fun with it too. Like, I mean, we have fun. Like we try, we, we are a uh, non-conventional in many ways uh, here at full scale and other stuff. Um, and I embrace individuality, but our, our success has to revolve around success. Right. So with that, the thing that drives me nuts is people that, well, okay. Usually you can make an error once. I get it. Now you make an error twice. Now I'm starting to, uh, if it's something that's basic, well, now I'm kind of wondering, I'm like, either you're not paying attention. Maybe you don't care. Now, when you get into like three and four. Okay. That's pretty obvious for basic, basic stuff. These are controllable things. I don't mean like complex, risky, like, let me take a chance and see if I Here's six dice. And if I don't roll all sixes, then it's a fail. Like I'm just talking basic shit. Right. And you know, that kind of stuff drives me nuts. And I tell people, like, I, I let them know, I said, I'm very direct. I'm fair. I'll be the first person to pat you on the back, and I can also be first in line to kick you in the ass. Right. And if you don't think you can handle that part about me, another thing too is like I, I have ADD. I get distracted easily, so I like to keep things structured. I don't like people coming in my office every time something comes onto their into their mind because I have 180 employees. If every one of them wastes three minutes of my day, my entire day is gone plus another hour.
0: Eight thousand and forty minutes.
1: It's a lot. It's a lot. It's actually less than that. Three minutes times 180 is 540.
0: Not in Canada.
1: <laughs> it doesn't even make <laughs> sense, dude. I was going to say that you're being optimistic on my behalf and Conversion, projecting the future yeah. because, and I don't think you convert time into Canadian metrics. I like can try, but math was never my strong suit. No, and I think that a lot of people have told me the metric system's easier, but I find it confusing as hell. So, I don't
0: even know how far I have to go somewhere. It's like eight kilometers. Wide. I
1: said that to my wife when yeah. I was in the Philippines. I was like, I was like, yeah, the uh, um, the our office is only a hundred meters from the hotel, and she's like, how far is that anyway? <laughs> I was like, I love you, I love
0: you. I was in Toronto. <laughs> And it was like, uh, that your exit six kilometers and I literally had no idea. Yeah. Is, is that two minutes? Is that 10? Is that an hour? Yeah. So you just drive in the right lane slow until you see it.
1: Yeah. I'm going to try to run a 5k because it's actually fewer miles than running five miles. Yeah. So I found, I'm finding some loopholes here. There you go. Yeah. Um, all right. So as we kind of head towards our thrilling conclusion, Can I think I ask we you one more question please, before we do that. Yeah.
0: So, uh, and you made me think of this earlier, you know, we hire people, uh, you mentioned the word success and we obviously want to be successful.
1: It's a different definition for everyone though. But we
0: never ask our employees, what's your definition of success? Yeah, I
1: do. So I do, or something similar.
0: Yeah. So what like are you, what's
1: uh, a, what's a win for you? Yeah. What drives you? What motivates you? What are you passionate about? Like, what are you trying to get? You know, like, I mean, people have different things. But if I asked you,
0: how do you define success? How would you answer that?
1: For m- myself personally? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm probably like the worst at defining some of that because I don't like to put limits on it, but as far if I'm successful, well, I think I would actually rebut and I would say, in what category? Because people will say, well, when are you financially successful? And that's different for everyone. You're financially successful whenever you're at whatever point it is that you're not worried about money. That's different for some people, everyone else. That might be $10,000 in the bank for someone. It could be a hundred million sure. for someone else. I think professionally, I feel su- my definition of success is feeling like I'm doing everything. It's that true Maslow's fifth level of the pyramid, that self-actualization. Right. I want to feel that my efforts and what I'm doing maximize my ability to make a difference wherever I'm at. Cool. So that's exactly
0: why you don't qualify it because you want to see where people go with it right. because that's what's important yeah. to them. Yeah. So for me my defini- definition of success is freedom. Being yeah. able to do what
1: I want with sure. whom I want when I want to. Right. Which is which is by the way part some people say they want to become an entrepreneur because they want that freedom which is usually the worst way to get the freedom. Yeah. But that is a big thing for me. Um, and for myself cuz I mean I'm different like I'm accent Some people, I look really normal. Like I look like a, I look like a, a, I look like Patch Adams should have looked. I might look like the doctor, 44 years old. I live in the suburbs. I've got two kids. I look like P you, should have worked. You do kind it, of look like a 44 year old doctor. I do. I know I get it. And it's funny cause people don't really get it. And then I'm wearing shiny gold shoes and different stuff. So, yeah. um, but you know, I, I, I think the thing for me is I, you know, I, I do so many different things and I really enjoy doing a lot of different things. Although on many days, I wish I did almost nothing, but I like that freedom of being able to follow whatever's inspiring me. And I don't like to put boundaries around that. So that's part, I really like that part of an entrepreneur being an entrepreneur, but yeah, really in the end, it's like, I feel like, and, and I put a really, I, over the years, especially as I've gotten older, I've really, really put this big emphasis on being like, like kind of like a, the Terry Dunn situation. Like I need to it's my job to make the best decisions in the best interest of the people that work for me, for the mm-hmm. clients that we serve, and for the future of the company. And not just make them based on me, 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 me. And that's tough to do. It's I, tough to do because inherently people are selfish. I heard it reminds me, do you know Andrew Dallas? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been on the show. So Andrew was. And that's a, the, the COO and now partner at uh pro, pro athlete. athlete. Yeah. Uh, that's our, our, that's our episode called e-commerce because they were on the, they were like some of the first people actually doing it.
0: Yeah. Successfully.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I think love, about that. Some of the
0: first people doing e-commerce. They have an alumni association. I love this concept. What if you ran your company well enough that when people leave your company, they want to come back as alumni?
1: I've had that happen. Daryl, our COO has done that. Yeah. But how cool would that be? Yeah. Right? So, I, you know, I, I look back. I think some of it, too, is when you look back at your history, um, not a lot of people have quit yeah. working for me. I have fired a bunch of people. I, I mean, I have like not a ton, but a fair amount. That's why I give them the warning on the way. And I'm like, look, this is a performance based place, man. Like yeah. we can have a lot of fun. And by the way, winning is so much more fun than losing. True. So let's just figure out how to do that That's and true. let's have a good time. And that means that sometimes we have to do things that I, I also hate job descriptions. I'm not a big fan. I'm like, look, especially in a small company. I'm like, What's, what's my, I hired Daryl because in his interview, I, I, I used to ask this question and say, and this was on the way to figuring out what someone was passionate about. Said, so, so when you're at work, what would you prefer to be doing all day? And the questions really intended to be like, some people would be like, well, I really like being organized and I like doing this and I like, or I like selling stuff. Daryl said, whatever makes the company the most money. You're like, bingo, sign him up. Uh, dude, yeah. I knew I didn't have to do any more interviews. Did you ask him if he has a brother, another brother named Daryl? No. Uh, or a brother it, or named Larry? Larry? No. No. If you're over 40, you'll get that yeah. reference. I hope so many of our users don't. Our <laughs> listeners don't. <laughs> there was a TV show. Oh, the don't. The Bob yeah. Newhart show. By, by the way, I can see you being like a distant relative of Bob Newhart. Yeah. Just, it's the it's the punchy comedy. Thank you. Yeah. No that appreciate. is a compliment, actually. <laughs> I'm taking it. I know yeah, he should. It's was like, <laughs> "Funny." So, all right. So, we're going to close this out by talking about tips for improving culture, and I know you got a few. So, maybe we can bounce a few back and forth. What do you got?
0: Uh, utilize the Socratic method. Never tell people what you can ask them. When you tell them, you shut them down, and they're now disengaged. When you ask them questions, you help them open up their brain. You help them to get more engaged, mm-hmm. and you multiply genius.
1: I mean that's being a better listener. Yeah. Not my strongest trait. And something I'm, you know, like there's a time to listen, there's a time to talk. Sometimes the best leaders are just listening.
0: So I'll just tell you cuz we teach um we teach neuroscience and how to how the brain actually works. So did you know that somebody who's a visual learner uh has a shorter attention span than an auditory learner? And did you know that somebody who is big chunk, who looks, thinks in terms of the big picture has a much shorter attention span than somebody who's small chunk. So you're a visual big chunk guy. So that means you, you're like me, right? We have about a three to five second attention span. So if you let people know that, Hey, I'm big chunk. That means I have a I'm short sorry, attention span. I'm sorry. I just span. quit listening. Yeah, exactly. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just, you let, deserved that. Yes. And yeah.
0: and more. Yeah. And more. Wait,
1: what was that again? Who? Yeah. Hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> here at the end. <laughs> uh, we were saving all the meat and potatoes here till the end. So, you know, you mentioned the Socratic method, and that's a great way to get people involved. I, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'm going to bounce one back at you that's related to that. I think that um, that celebrating wins and sharing in victory um, is a big yeah. thing. Like, as a team, like, it doesn't always have to be like, hey, here's a gazillion dollars. Sometimes it's just like, hey, we, we did it. Yeah. Like, here we go. Congratulations. I like to, and I don't get to do that here because we share an office with a bunch of developers at Stackify. But if I had it my way, we'd have like our giant startup hustle sign here that's like four feet wide would also be like a gong. Like, ooh, that would be cool. Yeah, it would be. And what happens if you hit it? Don't. Well, it's bolted to the wall, but still. But, you know, the thing is, is like, and so I used to, when I was a sales manager, I used to have this uh, just little trophy and it said the loving cup on it and uh, whoever made the highest percentage of their goal, not the top salesperson by store. Cause it wasn't fair to compare like Raleigh right. to like Fayette bill. You sure. know, Fayette bill always outsold Raleigh, but you got, if you made the highest percentage of your goal, you got to keep this cup. And it, I paid like 12 bucks for this thing. If that, and you want to talk, I mean, people wanted that thing. Sure. Like they would like, and you know, they would, you know, call each other and they'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just sitting here drinking out of this loving cup. <laughs> You'll never know what that's like. <laughs> and, and, you know, but, but little goofy stuff like that is, uh, you know, we had a Dundee for a while. <laughs> yeah. All right. Your turn.
0: Uh, so one of the things, uh, one of my favorite tools is um, to start with a question. Uh, if you could change one thing and there's a thousand ways to end it. So Matt, if you could change one thing about your podcast, what would you change?
1: I wouldn't have ever done this one. No, I'm kidding. Um, man, that's you know that's a great question, and I don't I'm not sure I'd change a whole lot. Like there's a lot of shit I realize I could change. Yeah,
0: but you don't have to change a lot. But yeah. what did, when you ask your employees that every day, hey, if you could change one thing about The company, if you could change one thing about this process, if you could change one process, if you could change one thing about me, your boss, if you could change one thing about our delivery system. But if you ask them every single day, after about Mm -hmm. 30 days, you've now, and I did this by accident, not like I'm a genius, but I figured out, hey, after 30 days, now people are coming to me going, hey, you haven't asked me my one thing and I already thought about it. Here's what I'd change. And sometimes it's stuff that you can change and sometimes it's stuff you got to go, okay, we got to figure out how to do that. But if you have, if you have 72
1: people, which is how many employees I had all improving one step a day, little bits, little tiny bits, yeah, one bite at a time. That's it. By the way, you asked that about the podcast and didn't have a whole lot to say because uh, six months ago, we were asking that every day and there were things like just being prepared. Like I'm sitting here. I got a note. I got, he does, he, I will vouch. He has a whole page. It's not even a whole page, dude. It's like a page that's got a bunch of stuff. I've got some notes on it and different things. So I'm but, reading
0: it from upside down. I can see on his list. He has celery, peanut butter, toothpaste. Oh, it's your grocery
1: list. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm trying to multitask. Okay. Yeah. Um, But some of the (laughs) things, so I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more of the podcast, but I wanted it to be a quality thing. And so with that, um, as you know, I know a lot of people in the area. So do you. And I, but I knew I had to make it easy for them to schedule to be on. Yeah. And also have some preparation around it. And it took us a while, but we kept it. What could we do better? What could we do better? And we do still do that on different things. Like actually, all right. So what would I improve about the podcast? Um, some of it's like just related to the consistency about how we, uh, do simple things like putting links and whatever you're listening to this on and, and, uh, why, because if you're going to take your time to come in here, I better have a fucking link to what you do, or I'm just an asshole.
0: Yeah. Know Uh, something about the guests, but isn't it cool how much, so we have a podcast too, the core build podcast. Isn't it cool? How much you can learn. I just like to have smart people on because I learned
1: that, that uh, I overwhelmingly say that that is what people ask me a lot. They're like, well, what do you get out of the podcast? to get a positive ROI, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, first off, if you're trying to figure out the ROI of your podcast, just <laughs> good, stop, good luck. stop because you won't. Um, but that's the thing that, and I, and I know Watson enjoys the same thing too, is like, I get an hour a day, most days where i sit down We're and talk today. to leaders i talk to creative people i yeah. talk and it is remarkably insightful i even mentioned that to my wife cuz we had a 200th episode come out recently and I was like, and by the way, there it usually takes three to four weeks for an episode to come out because we're trying to create a buffer. Right. So regardless of what happens in life, we still give you that Monday through Thursday, 5am central time episode. And that's when this comes out. And by the way, I get real cranky if that doesn't happen for yeah. whatever reason, because that consistency and you want to be there and, and, you know, like I mean, it is what it is. I, the funny thing about podcasts, and you know, if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. There you go. I mean, it is what it
0: is. Double your money back, right? Yeah, maybe. maybe. If you could change one thing of, uh, of um, if you could change one thing about yourself about being a dad. What would you change? Because uh, I know being a dad's important to you.
1: It is. I, I, I mean, and I am working on getting there because in order to make this, I, I would make, I would be more available. Yeah and now i believe success demands payment in advance and i'm making some early payments on that yeah. but you know you mentioned you said what do you want to do in five years do you know what i want to do in five years
0: uh, nothing yeah nothing whatever you want right nothing yeah. i to
1: be a professional t-ball coach there you go something like that but some of that is you know i yeah, as a parent and a uh, you know i, I my wife stays home with her kids and stuff like that. I, you know, I'm building a business that is becoming a lot more self-sufficient. We grew really quickly. We didn't make money last year. We made paid a lot of it up front to try to find success later. And we're now celebrating some of those wins. Cool. And then with that, I, you know, and the, and some people are like, do you ever sleep? Do you ever do this? Do you ever do that? And yeah. Um, sometimes not always. I think
0: your business is going to grow tremendously after this episode.
1: I think so I too. I think your
0: ROI on this. Yeah. It's going to be phenomenal. It's infinite. Yeah.
1: Because the business will be. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, um, you know, by the way, when it comes to the podcast and uh, I'm just curious, like the, the uh, it, there's and the same thing with books and, you know, Watson and I got to be really good friends after he was in my book. There's a, there's a weird, you have a weird relationship with someone like, like I could have gone out to lunch with you and talked with you for an hour. And then we would have been like, oh, cool. That was interesting. There's something about the format yeah, no. and the publication and getting it out there and having people listen. And it's, I don't know. It's like, no, I would agree. So one of the first
0: episodes of mine was with my wife, Rachel. And at the end, she I said, can't get my
1: wife to come on here. She, she's like, I don't think you'd be like me afterward. If I told the truth, I'm like, maybe not. So, Rachel got, we got to the end. She said, can we just do one
0: podcast a month? This was, this was like a wonderful date night. <laughs> So now we just go in our living room with a couple of fake microphones and that's day and night.
1: You you mentioned that about a parent. I've had the same thing, like just in life, like, and that's, I think being successful is having the right team. Yeah. I mean, not only at work, but at home.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I,
1: and I think that, uh, so my workplace improvement tip, and this is number four on our list is going to be just define expectation. I love that. You know, and that's the thing is like, and Watson will talk about this a lot too. If he's here as and Watson, I expect you to be here next time Frank comes by. But so when he, when he walks in the building, do you go Watson, come here? No, no. Is that a Sherlock Holmes, a Sherlock Holmes thing? It is. I only know that because my wife watches that stuff. I did not even realize that. And there isn't my in that too. That's a local startup. Oh, I don't know. I just, you know, I got to start talking <clears throat> in my British voice. <laughs> So my expectation is that you don't, but (laughs) I say that because if you don't define what you expect and, and like what certain things are, I I always, I always tell people that, that I've talked to that have relationship problems. I'm like, have you mentioned that that's making you unhappy? Well, no. Well, how the fuck do you expect anyone to know? Like we're not mind readers. Especially men. Yeah.
0: So we have a, we have oh, a... Oh, man are the worst mind readers. Uh, yeah. And, and women expect us to read their minds. And I, I told Rachel when we started dating, I said, if you expect me to read your mind, you're going to be disappointed.
1: Cause well, I, when I first I got on, on my way to getting married, and I was married once before, and I have mentioned I'm so much better at it the second time, but I'm still not very good at it. But I told Jill, and my first wife's name was Jill too, so that makes it really easy to keep... If you ever called her by the wrong name, go, Jill. Oh,
0: I mean Jill. A
1: lot. Yeah. 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 But she had a previous boyfriend named Matt. So she's Jill too. I'm <laughs> Matt too or whatever. But, oh, but I told her, you know, some of it, you talk about this as I learned. I said, look, I got to, and I'm older than she is. I'm 44. She's uh, be 33. That's right, Jill. I mentioned that. But I said, look, I got to just be honest with you. I'm probably not going to change. But is she 33
0: U.S. or 33 Canadian? Um, yes. So 33 Canadian. She's like 29, eh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and forty four is the new twenty nine. Oh, I got your back. 44 is the new twenty nine well, for, so for men. So I am Jill. I got your back. Hey, eh? she doesn't listen to the show. She's on. She's halfway through episode uh, one, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that. And then she listened to the one that we had the Chris se- and Thomas, the sex coach in, uh-huh. which she pointed out that I pointed out multiple times that I could possibly be a sex coach, but it was more about relationships relationships are, are their best (laughs) when there's definition. But I told Jill that before we got married, I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably not going to change. Like, uh, and by probably
0: not meaning I won't. won't.
1: Yeah. Like this is what you see is what you get. And, and the, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm kind of OCD. Like I, um, even talked about that in one of my books. I'm like, you know, I'll lock myself in a room and come out in like two days looking or, or whenever. And, but with that, she gets that and knows that if I'm doing that, there's a reason for it. I'm not just crazy, even though I am a little bit there, but at the same time, if she asks me to do something, I need to be able to do it Yeah, and do whatever, but you know, it is what it is. So, so we, so define expectations. What do you have next?
0: So we have a team charter, which is expectations and aspirations that you write it down exactly what you're talking about. So I'm piggybacking on yours. And, uh, so it's a written document. You update it every quarter, but you have Okay, uh, team member to team member, what are your expectations? What are your aspirations? Because an expectation does not actually impact the part of the brain that drives behavioral change. Aspirations actually do, if you want to get into the neuroscience. But you're right. We never talk about expectations. We never talk about aspirations. And then what are your expectations and aspirations of the team leader? And what are the team leader's expectations and aspirations of you? And usually when we have teams do this, I can't tell you how many founders I've had say, well, yeah, I've, I've always told them my expectations, but I never asked them theirs. Well, guess what? They're humans too. And they do have expectations. And it's, if we really want to serve them, right? You mentioned that earlier, we have that servant's heart. How am I supposed to serve you if I don't know what's important to you? So again, it's just kind of having that conversation. Hey, what's important to you? It's important to me. Now here's the length that I went to how I believe in that tool, um, and utilizing it. When Rachel and I got married, we went to Hawaii on our honeymoon. We got out to the beach, got the little drinks with the umbrella sat in the chairs had the umbrellas over our heads and opened up my bag and I pulled out two pieces of paper and two pens. And Rachel said, what's that? And I said, it's the team charter. She goes, no, I know, I know what it is. Why do you have it out with two pens? And I said, cause we just got married. We're a team. We're going to do this. And we sat there on our honeymoon on the beach in Maui and did the team charter. And it was the best thing we ever did because from that day and we update it regularly, it's like, okay, what are your expectations of me? So one of them she said is the end of the day, when I tell you about my day, sometimes I just want you to listen. Cause you know, we're guys, we fix stuff, right? So I said, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So I wrote that down and I said, all right, here's mine back.
1: Before you tell me about your day. Was it, I expect you to not talk? No, it was, I That's expect good. you to listen. That's good. I said, <laughs>
0: Uh, That would have been good. I got to write that down.
1: (laughs) That would have been the worst possible answer, but I could not help myself there. I'm sorry. (laughs) So
0: we got divorced the next day.
1: Yeah. So So we annulled the wedding. Yeah. So I said, okay, I will do
0: that. But what you've got to tell me before you start talking is do you want me to fix it or do you want me to listen? Because I'm not smart enough to know the difference. 12 years later, still not smart enough. And so she'll start by saying, Okay, let me tell you about my day. I just want you to listen to this part. And it's saved, I think, a lot of arguments and fights and hurt feelings and but it's just telling people, hey, here's here's what I want, right? Here's what I need. Because to your point, people can't read minds.
1: It just makes for a better workplace. I agree. So we're gonna we're gonna we'll stop the list at five, but the Socratic method was answer one and that's getting people involved. Um and you know, this is a really interesting I, I love that approach. I think that's really great because you're forcing you're forcing participation. Yep. And you gotta answer. You gotta be ready to answer. Or listen, excuse me. Uh, we had celebrate wins. I just think that's fun. I think if you feel like you're winning, then that's good. Absolutely. Um you know what I am gonna add a sixth item. I'm gonna just say transparency. Um, I think that it's very easy to be transparent, um, when it comes to your, your workplace. Um, you know, if people understand that things might not be going well, okay. Some people are going to, are going to, that's going to freak them out. Right. And By the way, those aren't the people I want on my boat anyway. Go ahead. If you want to bail, go. Yeah. But I, I know that the folks that I work with now, like if we're like, Hey man, we need to do this in order to win they're going to fucking do it. Yeah. And it's because we get it. And, and with that transparency, it's like, if that exists, then you understand when it's go time. And I think just to
0: add to the transparency, one thing that I believe you got to have, the only way to build trust is through vulnerability, mm-hmm. which goes right along with that. Let me be transparent. Let me be vulnerable. Let me be open. Let me tell you a little bit about what's important to me. Right. Let me tell you about some of my challenges, some of the things I've had to overcome, let me tell you about how I honestly feel about that. Some people are really bad about being open and sharing about themselves, but that's how we connect as human beings is by being vulnerable.
1: Yeah, and I don't try to be best friends with everyone that works with me, but at the same time, like it, it doesn't hurt to like be friendly.
0: Yeah, but just, just for the human connection even
1: okay so i i'm gonna have to put a stop to this because we'll be okay we have so seven na- which is a lucky number we're on six but with that seven I, canadian I feel like we <laughs> i'm gonna spend some time after this composing an email to you that is going to really help you understand that okay. that that doesn't really translate <laughs> but but and i also want to say suck it because I'm probably going to make like a bunch of really dumb Canadian conversion comments. Like I can already feel them. Like I'm going to put it on Facebook. So just, just, no, I'll put it out there. Hang on. Frank made me this way. It's true. But you know, I, I there's, I, I want, I once again want to want to encourage everyone to go to core dot solutions yeah, you know, Frank, I think you have a really interesting and entertaining way of, you know, some of these, these are important things, but at the same time, they don't have to be like lame. Yeah. You know, like work all. doesn't have to be lame winning or things or having some like type of workplace culture. It's actually like embracing your workplace culture and making it positive yeah. is the opposite of lame. Yeah. If you don't, it's like that. uh, I've seen. I'm not a much of a meme quote, or this is not the second time I've quoted this one. It's it says CEO or CFO says, "What happens if we put all this money into training people and they leave?" And then the CEO says, well, "What happens if we don't and they stay?" Yep. And you know, like you, your great people are gonna fucking leave, and you'll end up with the the lame people. That's right. Because great people know they're great. And they get it and they have learned to have a level of control and intuitiveness when it comes to putting themselves in situations that aren't lame. That's right. Okay. So we finish, uh, we, we've gone, we, we've we stretched this. I told you folks. Are we at long 20 run. minutes yet? Yeah. Okay. It's 19 and a half. Okay. Wow. That's yeah.
0: perfect. Right where we wanted to be.
1: Yeah. So we've got to talk for like a while. Uh, it's, you know, there's... It's amazing how slow my time goes by when I'm with you, Frank.
0: You know, I was, I was concerned <laughs> before we started this, Matt. I'm like,
1: damn, 20 minutes. Can we fill that? No. There's going to be some pauses. Yeah. Yeah. Going we gonna, have commercials? I'm going to play music through most of that break <laughs> in the middle. Like <laughs> really in order to, uh, improve the way that your voice is generally received, I'm going to play death metal. Sweet. So then after that, Yeah. yeah. I, I've been, by the way, I, I feel that I will introduce you to the, my comp game. It's, it's funny things that it's really making fun of people that are unaware and say things that, um, that are, it's the backhanded compliment. I like it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, like it. it's, it's not about like delivering them to people. It's more along sharing the like dumb shit that you hear people say. So speaking of dumb shit that we hear people say. As we end each episode of Startup Hustle, that's
0: a great way. We, to end we
1: it. have no, we have well, no, because you get to say dumb shit. Um, we have the the founders freestyle, and you're the founder of of Core Build and go to corebuild.solutions. So um, we turn over the mic to our guest or guests, and you you get to freestyle. You get to say whatever you want, whatever you need. And I know we covered a lot of stuff. We, you know, this was supposed to be about workplace culture and in many ways it was, and sometimes it wasn't, but I think that we veered off into leadership and some other things, yeah. but those affect the it's workplace all con- culture. It's right. all connected. It is. So go ahead, go. So
0: my freestyle, two things real quick, cause I don't talk very much for a living. Number one, I'm going to ask you all to reach out. When you see Matt in person, oh, no. I'm going to ask you to say, Hey Matt, you really embrace your freakness. Cause he is right. He's a freak and he does embrace it. So We're going to find out how many people actually that. made
1: it to the end of this show yeah. on that one.
0: Well, it'll be both my kids. And uh, then I think the second thing, you know, I believe that everybody deserves to work in a really great place. Agreed. And so for those of you that are in charge of a business, uh, I just want to encourage you to reach out uh, to me or to Matt or to somebody, but just go make an effort to be intentional and to, make it just a place where everybody can thrive. If you're a worker and you don't own it, but you're working for somebody else and that place sucks, leave, like go find somebody who appreciates you, go find somebody where you can be aligned. And I'm not telling you to quit your job and go in unemployment, but, but start looking for what kinds of places could I fit in where it would really be just an awesome thing to be able to go to work. Cause I think life's too short. And that's what everybody deserves. So whatever we can do to help you guys with that, we'd, uh, would love to help anybody and
1: embrace your freakness, bro. Yeah. And I get, and thank you for licensing me to do that. I've been, you know, I, I mark certain things when I look back at, you know, I don't have like a documented timeline, but there really was like a, a time that I, I, when I say I quit caring, I quit caring about people's bullshit, critical opinions, Um, And you say, embrace your freakness. Well, some of that, I was like, you know, you have an interesting personality. So do I. Some people like that and some people don't. I have a feeling you run into the exact same stuff that I do. Some people, you know, like, I don't know, but I have, I want to encourage anyone that whether you're managing your business, uh, you're starting one or you're growing one is to do anything you can to jettison negative Anything immediately like get it the fuck out now, and yes. I have trained myself over the years to literally be like the bouncer. Yeah and the bar of life my life and if you're negative like you are contagious like get that out of your workplace culture there is not it's contagious if i told you hey frank will you come sit in this room there's a bunch of people that have airborne illnesses and i'm going to lock you in there with them and then i want you to come out cuz <laughs> and there are actual all right so they've literally taken people and they'll put like this is a true psychological test they'll put someone in a room full of other people echoing positive sentiment and they come out and they say positive stuff. And then you have, you know, they put people in in a room full of negative crap and they come out and they're like, you know, this, but this is a major, major factor. So you're not always going to have positive moments every day, all day. Some things are done. They come and they've gone. You know, like if you can no longer control it, it happened. Now, what are you going to do next? Like next, next, next is one of my favorite four letter words. I have a few of them. I love the, I love sold <laughs> and I say fuck love. a lot. Yeah. Love. Eh, yeah. I love love. My wife always tells me I don't love love enough, but I do. And we'll, we'll talk about that on our next episode. Yeah. So,
0: so when we yeah. get back together again, should you be brave enough to have me back, I want us to talk about the Hawkins scale. It'll blow your mind.
1: Yeah. No. And I'm, and thanks for dropping that at the end. So I'm now, I, you gave me homework. You can edit that out. Now. Nah. We actually did have to edit one recently because I, like, went into a coughing fit because I was not feeling well. But the show must go on.
0: You were coughing like a maniac before we started it, man. You hit the
1: report cord button. It's been beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, I have kids. Little germ magnets known (laughs) as children. They're Germans. Yes. Anyway, see you all next time. Bye.